We thank the Lord for that. We got to thinking uh, when he asked me to, to speak tonight. Uh, we've all been, and I hear it all the time. I mean, it's just going around all the time. You know, we're coming to the end. What's going to happen? Uh, what if they take our Bibles away? What if they close down everything? What if they shut down everything? What's going to happen to us? And we get thinking, what are we, what are we going to do? And if they take everything away, what are they going to do? They take my Bible away. If they take, uh, tell me I can't go to church anymore, uh, that I can't do anything. And I got thinking about that, and I thought, but there's one thing they can never, ever take away. They can't take my prayer life away. No matter how they go, they can't take me from talking to Jesus. They cannot take the fact of what I'm going to do with my talking to the Lord. And so what I'd like to preach to you tonight is, uh, do you know how to pray? Do you understand what it means to pray and how to do it and what needs to be a part of it? I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm number 62, if you would, with me just a moment. Uh, uh, Pastor Decker, this will happen to you in, in the years ahead as, as you begin to preach and, and you get to a point in your life where you've preached uh, uh, thousands of times and you've got this big, big, huge ba- uh, file of messages and these big things and so you decide, so somebody calls you on Sunday night and says, uh, would you like to preach for me? Well, you're not going to go sit down and, and you're not going to think up a whole new message. It just ain't going to happen. You're going to take a message that you've preached that these people have never heard before. So then you get out a message and you look at it and you pray about it and you get four or five or six or ten of them out. You want to be sure and you start thinking about it and you finally decide to pick on one. And then you, your mind starts going, I bet I've preached that before. I bet I've already said this one to him before. I bet I've preached it. So then you go and you get out the Bethel Baptist uh, log and you look at every message you preached to make sure that you've not preached it there before. And you finally get down and you say, hallelujah, I have not preached this there before. So I can go ahead and do that. But, but in your mind's eye, every time you want to preach anymore, I bet I've preached that there before. And you don't want to do that. But I haven't done this one. But Psalm 62 And beginning in verse number five, the Bible simply says this, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. But this verse right here is the one. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God very clearly tells us here, that's prayer. Pour out your heart before him. The title of my message tonight is Fervency in Prayer. That wonderful word of fervency. In the book of Romans chapter number uh, 12 and verse number 11 It says, fervent, Paul's talking about not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Then you get over the book of James, and and James is talking, or not Paul, James is talking, and he says, the effectual what? Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The thought of prayer, you know, we all must learn to pray. No, it's not a thing that just automatically, oh, I got saved. I must know how to pray. We need to learn to pray. I, uh, one time, 
Uh, I was working on my prayer life, and I just felt it wasn't right. And I had a man in the church by the name of Herschel Wells, and he had a camper, and, I, and Point Mallard was just down the road. And I borrowed Herschel Wells' camper, and I, I went out there, and, and I spent three nights just by myself, just a few blocks away from the church, but just by myself, just trying to talk alone to God. Uh, to try, But you cannot learn how to pray just sitting there thinking about talking to God. We must learn how to pray, to pray. And to learn how to pray is the only way that you're going to have spiritual growth. The little book of Jude, Jude talks to us about the fact of building up yourself in the most holy faith, verse number 20 of number Jude, praying in the Holy Ghost. It speaks about the fact of building up yourself. You see, you need to grow in faith and in trust and in desire. Psalm 37, number 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. The Bible again talking about coming to God to begin to learn. But then I thought about fervor. When the Apostle Paul in chapter 7, for example, in the book of Romans, he uh, was brokenhearted. And he's talking to God and he says, he gets to a point that he gets to such a point, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. You know, he got to the point, that which I would do, that I do not. And that which I good, I do. I got that wrong by just saying the pie. He just got to a point in his life, he just didn't know what or what he should do. Talking about talking to the Lord. You see, prayer without fervor is a very shallow prayer. Now I'm going to get political. Then I'm going to pray with you just for a minute. How many of you people last night at the end of the football game, oh, what football game? Uh, okay, at the end of the football game. Here, here's, here was your life. Oh, they won. Well, honey, turn out the lights. Time to go to bed now. No, there was a thing called fervor. There were people acting like idiots. There were things going on all over, so excited, so things going on. That wasn't all of it. I am so surprised, Pastor Decker. We do have a a church that has a little bit of decorum. Praise God for it. Because at 11 o'clock today, I'm surprised that you didn't see a bunch of phones go on. You probably did. Maybe they looked around. I know Sundays came on. No doubt about that over there. (laughs) Folks came on because they picked the four teams that were going to be in the finals. And one of them was Alabama. And, of course, oh, so we made it. Isn't that great? No, there's a thing that comes into mind, fervor. Something that gets you actually excited. But our prayer lives normally are, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And we have no fervor before God. We have no passion that comes with prayer. It's like we, we come to God with just empty hands. We just walk in there without nothing. It's hands that have not learned how to cling to the cross of Christ. How do you think Jacob was out that day when he's clinged and he said, I will not let go till you bless me. 
I just will not let go until you bless me. How do you think Daniel was that day that he's there looking out the window brain over Jerusalem and Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to throw you in a den of lions. What do you think he was doing? What do you think his life was like? Oh, Lord, I hope you'll bless me today. Uh, bless my family. Bless my children. They're not walking with you. They're going to die and go to hell. And they're going to spend eternity apart from you. And I hope you'll do something with them. But uh, I'm not going to skip supper tonight. And I'm certainly not going to skip any sleep tonight. Where's the fervor? Where's the fervor? See, what did he say over here? Trust him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. Pour out your heart before him. I want to talk to you about a couple of things tonight, but I'm going to ask you this question before I pray. Has there been a time in your life when you literally could not sleep? When you literally were so burdened over God doing something in your life or the life of somebody you love with more than uh, your own life itself, that you could not even close your eyes and you couldn't quit weeping. You couldn't, you, you had to just, you just kept crying and weeping and asking and praying, as it were, begging for God to do something in your life. Pouring out your heart. It doesn't just say, talk to me. It's way beyond that. I got to thinking about that. There's a few times in my life I've got to that point, but there's so few and so far between. As I stand before you, I stand before you with a heart that says, in that sense, I'm a failure. Because the one thing that we can have, no matter what they take from us, no matter what they do to us, no matter where they put us, it's our walk and our talk with God to where we actually, but have you ever come to a point in your life where he's not just somebody that you're talking to afar off, but he's become your father. He's become your friend. He's become your confidant. He's become the one that you really feel no matter what I have on my life, I can talk to him about that right now. Fervent, fervent heart. You see, without that, it's hands that have not learned how to cling to the cross. It's a heart in ferventless prayer. It's coming to God just as an empty vessel. And heaven feels nothing. Heaven needs to be touched. Heaven needs to be turned. We live in a situation, a time right now, that God, uh, I was thinking the other day, and I read it just not long ago, because I just wanted to get stirred up in my heart. I found it, and I just sat down and read the, the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, by Jonathan Edwards. There were people in that audience that were hanging onto the pillars of the church, begging not to drop into the pits of hell. The fervency that the Holy Spirit of God that fell upon that place as people realize how far from God they were changed a world. 
began what they called the Great Awakening. A time when people turned to God for not just a day, not for just a week, but for years. It actually began way up in the northern part in the congregational churches and actually got as far down as Georgia as people turned to God. Fervency. Before I get to preaching to you tonight, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are a people to love you with all our hearts. Every single one of us in this room love you with all our hearts. But Lord, do we know how to give you our heart? Do we know how to come before you and get a hold of you and talk to you and get from you the things that we really need, not the things that we want, but the things that we really need to change lives, to change people, to turn lives around, to turn hearts around, to save our country to do the things that need to be done. Oh, Lord, in just a few minutes I have tonight and the few words that I have, would you use them to touch our hearts and to teach us some things that maybe can help us get to be just a little bit more fervent? Please, dear Lord, meet with us tonight. Be in this building tonight. Touch our hearts, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You see, James said this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You see, James wanted his followers, the people that he prayed to, the Holy Spirit of God wanted people to have a spirit, a fervent spirit of prayer. Not just a spirit of prayer, but a fervent spirit of prayer. He wanted a prayer life that was, let me say it, the only way I can think of it, all-consuming. Something that just got a hold of you in such a way that it would not could not let you go. To hold on with all must be like red hot. Over in Romans chapter 12, he's speaking about that. Uh, I, I, that. That Greek word simply means like a hot iron, white hot, fervent in spirit. That which burns into the very gable end of your soul as you think about prayer. See, a cold spirit, a cold, cold heart will just turn folks away. I remember one time I was praying about revi- I was praying about visitation, trying to get people to go, and I had one lady walk up to me and she just said to me, "Listen, preacher, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I don't need to go out and knock on doors and tell people. That's all I need is going to heaven. Just a cold heart, a heart that just didn't see what God really came for, a heart that did not see the fact that that Jesus. You're not like the man that I read in the in the book on the, the, the story of Andrew Murray McShane." a great Scottish preacher preaching there, the fellow's name was Burns, who stood on the street corners of of Dundee, Scotland. And I walked down to that street because I wanted to see it. And I walked down by the waterfront of Dundee, Scotland, and stood where I believe probably Pastor Burns may have stood in 1819, around that period of time, standing there on a street corner of Dundee, Scotland, and the tears running down his face that would not quit running down his face and he was weeping and crying and the people of, the, of Dundee come walking by him and said, Pastor Burns, what is wrong? What are you, why are you crying so? And he says, folks, don't you see? I'm standing here and as I'm looking as I see you walking down the streets of Dundee, Scotland and I can see the fires of hell lapping around your feet and you don't even know and you don't understand that Jesus died for you. 
and the people of Dundee got on fire and revival broke out in that church in Dundee and people began to get saved and folks began to be turned around. Fervency. A heart that changes. Fervency. Fervency. It takes spiritual fire to make praying right. If you want to learn how to pray, you've got to ask God for some fire. You've got to ask God for fire. It's an intense desire, an inner desire that will not give up without an answer. That kind of life. You see, God wants warm-hearted servants. He even speaks about it in Revelation. He don't want you hot or wants you cold. He, 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 want, he wants... He don't want lukewarm either. He wants warm-hearted servants. Think about this for a second. How did the early church start? They spent 10 days doing what? What did they start? 10 days. 10 days they prayed. 10 days after Jesus had walked around this earth, 40 days after, they, after his resurrection. He'd done certain things. He'd talk with them. And then for 10 days, they gathered there and they prayed. And what happened? Well, let me read to you what happened. I'll tell you exactly what happened. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and that wasn't a Honda. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire that sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Uh, they had a power that came from the Holy Spirit of God. When, when they prayed, God met with them. And he met with them in a very special way, fervency. I think that fire that is talking about there, we, we always say think, uh, there must have been a fire come down. I don't think it was that. I think it was fervency. I think something happened to those people there that just got a hold of the very gable end of their souls as they saw that there was a fire that burnt within their very soul. It's kind of like when Jesus was walking along with the fellows from Emmaus. Remember when he was walking with them and talking with them? What did they say? Did not our hearts burn within us as they moved there. I think that we, if we'll understand something, when you get saved, when you trust God and when you begin to walk, God has baptized us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I got saved, I got baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. He came to live within me. He literally came literally to live with me. Jesus simply said this in Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize, this is John the Baptist talking. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am worthy to be here. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In my little devotion today with the men, I read, uh, I, I used uh, Psalm 119, verse 128. And the, 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 the uh, writer there says, I esteem and I believe all thy precepts all to be true. And I hate every evil thing. Okay, my Bible in Matthew 3.11 says Jesus is going to baptize us 
with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And I believe that fire is not some clump of fire coming down from heaven. I believe it's fervency. Fervency. To where you get so excited. My wife tells me every once in a while, Wolf, you get a lot, you get too excited sometimes. And I reckon maybe I do sometimes, but we we need a fervency in our prayer life. I believe if nothing else, if we can get a hold of the simple fact, we have got to have a fervency in our prayer life. Folks, I don't know if you understand. But this church is going, I mean, this world is going to hell. Churches are not living for God anymore. Pastors are not preaching the gospel anymore. Folks, folks are not standing for the faith anymore. And what's happened? There's people that have just lost their fervency. I'm not talking about stupidity. I'm not talking about going crazy and jumping up and down and, and yelling and screaming. I'm talking about a broken, broken contrite heart that cannot stand uh, without God blessing them. Just the simple thing of power. Luke, uh, Luke 3.16 says, boy, did you ever go through your Bible and just study the 3.16s? It is a real good study. It's amazing how they had so many good 3.16s in the Bible, but there's just a pile of them. Luke 3.16, John answering, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, a latch of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John the Baptist believed it. We need to believe it as well. If your faith, if your faith can't set you on fire to pray, it is because you've got a frozen heart. You've got a heart that doesn't have anything. God dwells in a fire. God dwells in fervency. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. The Holy Ghost descends in a fire. He, in Acts 2.1, he descended in a fire. That's fervency, fervency, fervency. The Bible is very, very clear. We just need to allow ourselves to be absorbed with that. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to come upon you and just break your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you the fervency to pray without ceasing. You've got people that you love. You've got people that are going to spend eternity apart from God if God doesn't do something in their lives. And we know full well on all our talking and all our actions and everything we do are not going to change them. But I'm, going to, I'm probably going to get in trouble, but hey, I'm old and I'm done and I don't care. But I was sitting here this morning and I was just watching the invitation. And this man right here walks down and he pulled out a knife, scared the fire out of me. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. And he just started cutting the hair off the back of his head. First he prayed right here. And then he threw that lock of hair down on, the, on there and, and walked over and, and talked to our pastor. Well, I'm going to tell you what, God gave him a fervent spirit. God put within his heart a fervency that would not, could not be put out. God t t and that's what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do with each and every one of us. God wants to just take us and uh, each one of us. And I, my pastor said something this morning. That I said, I want to say amen, hallelujah, glory to God. He simply up and said to the fact, we're seeing something of a personal nature with a man. It's time that... Each and every one of us started getting some personal things with God. 
We need to have some personal, let God work in your life. Let God begin to mold you and take you. Let God's Holy Spirit just get a hold of you and turn you and bring your prayer life because that's all you're going to have one day if the, if the things keep going. But they can't take that away from you. Fervency that just will not change. You see, fervency before God counts in the prayer time. A speedy, rich reward can be given. As Psalm 21, verse 2 says, Thou hast given him his heart's desire, that has not withholden the request of his lips. Why? Fervency from the heart of a person. Fervency is not prayer. Fervency is a condition of the soul in prayer. Now, get me, fervency is not prayer. You get fervent, and then you pray. It's got to be something you just can't hold in anymore. Fervency and prayer. It's a condition of the soul. A soul that cannot be denied. Let that happen. God has pledged to give us the desires. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. He will take care of you. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. But the desire has got to be in proportion to our fervency. Well, I'm going to do something that most preachers don't do, but I'm going to do it. I've got three more. I'm sorry, I've got three more points, and it's ten minutes after seven. I don't know what in the world happened to things. Am I getting it across to you? Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm simply saying we need to be fervent. We need to get a hold of God in our own lives. We need to come to a point to where we spend some time with God that's just so personal and just won't quit. Ask God to break your heart. Oh, search me, oh God. Try my heart today. Come to a point in your life where your heart is just broken Think of somebody that you love so much and think of them so hard till God breaks your heart, till God touches your heart. Now, I'm going to say one more thing because I just want to do this for my pastor because I feel like maybe I haven't been the best church member I ought to be and I just want to help my pastor out a bit. And I, I shared it with him just a minute ago up here on the pulpit. And I shared it with my Sunday school class today. In First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus, you all need to hear this. Got your ears on? You need to hear this. God looks down by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul to a young preacher boy, and he says to them just simply this, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you. You say, okay, that's wonderful. So then you go over to Philippians, and you go over to Ephesians, and you go over to Galatians, and you go over to Colossians, and all you get is grace and peace. For the man of God, who God has put into place to lead the church in the spiritual way that it's to go, God adds one thing that he wants us to pray for. Are you ready? You need to pray for your pastor to have the grace of God in his life all the time and have the peace of God in his life but something he doesn't say to the churches, you and I don't get it. Oh, I had it, but now I ain't a preacher no more. And the mercy of God to be upon him. You see, he needs God's mercy. 
he's going to come into troubles and trials and problems. And the dear lady sitting next to him is going to come into trials and troubles. Oh, by the way, they didn't ask me to preach this. Uh, in a t- time of trials and troubles, things you'll never understand. If I want to sit down after 54 years and tell you some of the things that people have done to me and Jackie that we never told anybody. We've got to have God's mercy. There's got to be mercy there to take you through the battle that you come out stronger to lead the people of God. But if you don't have a fervent spirit to where you can take your pastor and his wife and a church, each one, and, and uh, by the way, it wouldn't hurt you to pick out a church member or two and just pour out your heart to God for them, for the things that they need. We, we hear things, we know things about people in this church that have special needs that maybe that we're not even praying, oh, Lord, bless, for example, bless Bob and Kathy. No, don't just bless Bob and Kathy. God, do a special work with Bob and Kathy. How about Tom and Wanda? Crazy, stupid. Wanda needs all the help she can get. Tom ain't got any sense. He's liable to do anything. And she just tries to take care of him. He's no telling what's going on. He's my dear friend. I can say that about him. But we, need to, we just simply need to pray that God raises them up and strengthens them. Not, oh, dear Lord, just bless Tom and Wanda. Fervency. Dear Lord, I'm not getting up off this floor till you bless Tom. Or I'm not getting off this floor till you bless Bob. Or Brother Long. Or Brother Rife, or Brother Hood, or Brother Miss Kathy, Mr. Waugh, Brother Davis, Mrs. Davis, Harry, each and every one of you. We need to pray for one another, not just pray for one another. We need to fervent. Fervently pray for one another. Dear Heavenly Father,